That's why they get the kids in the back room while they're looking to raise the room just perfectly before they took the picture. Look how together my life is. You should come with this. I'm not a wreck. I did that in the bedroom. In fact, if you, if you drive down the street, someone might come at your car if you do. Unless you want to hide your house, if you have a nice house, then I don't know what you do. I don't know how you avoid people coming in here, stuff admiring your stuff. And how often do you feel deeply wounded if someone coming in your stuff? How often does it hurt your skin if someone saw your life and admired it? So hopefully you can kind of see where I'm going with this. When we look at this list, how many times do you think it happened? Or does it? So do a little thought experiment with you here. Listen to these words. I'm a Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any God with you. How these words speak to me? What's the ethos or the mood that they carry? It sounds to me like God's playing the heavy, right? What I hear when I hear this, I hear that was my mom saying, I'm talking to this room. I can take you out. That's what, that's what I hear. My mom used to say that all the time. Yes, remember, I grew up before we knew what social services were, so we just assumed our mom could kill us if she wanted. We didn't know. I wouldn't know who to call if she decided to. And to me, it was totally open for her to go, I'm going to set this little stuff over my day. So my mom or my dad, as I got older, hit that note. Like, oh, you know. I was like, when I come behind the mother, you told me, I will take you out of your life. That's what I hear when I hear this verse. I hear God's like in heaven. I mean, God will set you free. Well, let's look back at this Ten Commandments. Because we all know who covetousness is hurt, right? It hurts the one who, who does it. It doesn't hurt the one with the nice stuff. It doesn't hurt the person who has something nice. It hurts the one who covets. You might be able to make some argument that it hurts God because you're not happy with the life of I don't know. But, but coveting hurts the one who covets. To spend your whole life looking at the stuff that other people have and wishing that you have that life rather than the life you currently have is horrible for your soul. There's never been a study in any culture, in any field that does not definitively prove that a genuine attitude and regular practice of gratitude is that one of the absolute fundamental and maybe the single most important aspect of this and coveting is the antithesis of gratitude. They are opposites. To look at someone else's life and lust for it, obsess over it, desire it, is to ignore the amazing life that you have. I love, we, I swear we did not say that, but I love that Matt opened up with that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, here's my mess, and you know what? I've been so crazy the last few that I don't even know why I can't do these things. And we all live in that place now. We've got a football guy, best football guy. We can all look at somebody and go, oh, I'm going to do my best. 
we are all in the one percent. I think everybody in this room is in the one percent. If you draw the map out globally, we are still crazy. Now, imagine with me that I'm right. Imagine with me that the Ten Commandment does not protect God's portion of your heart. Imagine with me that the Ten Commandment doesn't protect society from the sinner the way the prohibition of murder does. And imagine with me that the only logical conclusion is that God gave the Ten Commandment not as a definition of sin by which you might be damned to hell if you break it because of the way you refuse to love God and love people, but instead he gave the Ten Commandment because he knows that coveting is poison. It's poisonous to the one who does it. And he loves you too much to watch you drink poison without saying anything. How does that change the Ten Commandments? Or I guess a better question is, for you, does that change the Ten Commandments? Because here's the golden question. What if this entire list is like number 10? What if God is not commanding our obedience but looking out for us? What if there's something in our soul that is wired to worship? And knowing that this God who lovingly tries to aid that energy that we have as the only thing that will hold up to our worship. That's why every 12-step program starts with a higher power. If you don't think addiction is worshiping, then you've never been addicted to anything. And God knows that we have that. We have that desire to worship something. If we aim it at the wrong thing, it will destroy us. And so he steps in and says, no, you aim that right here. Because it's good for you. What if God knew that about us, that we had this desiring for worship? And it wasn't a needy jealousy of being the only thing that we worship. He didn't want us to worship anything else, but rather it's the part of a loving Father who knew our desire for worship and he could destroy us and misappropriate it. And so he stepped up and said, what if God isn't concerned about being the center of our attention one day a week, but rather he knows that the human body isn't designed to work non-stop without rest? And to live a life like that, not only Jesus did it. So here's the thought experiment. Pretend I'm right. Pretend this list is this fundamental document, the most basic of commandments, is basically a life. This is coming from a loving father who occasionally sounds harsh, but who can do anything to be like this. Even if he has a Now, how does that change the wording of this person? I am the Lord your God who rescued you from Egypt, the place that was slavery. You must not have. I'm the God who is showing you love in the past. I'm the God who would never leave you or forsake you. I'm the God who rescued you from the land of Egypt. I'm looking at the